Is that Glock? Well, I'm tripping major nutsack right now. Oh, Sunday! Welcome to the world of winning. And welcome to another edition of the Switchback Formula One podcast, coming to you live after the Turkish Grand Prix. Except I actually, <laughs> nothing about this is live, <laughs> not in any, not in any way, shape, or form. But my name is Graham, and joining me as always, it's the Mercedes fanboy. It's Luke Holmes. Wow, okay, Mercedes fanboy. Sure, we'll, we'll go with that, Graham. How are we doing? Hi. Well, you, Hi. Well, you drive one, so... I do drive one, but I'd rather drive a Ferrari. I think <laughs> pretty much everybody else would be in the same boat as me, but, you know, money's not everything in my life. I'm not a man that likes to flash his cash. Uh, that is untrue. I've seen the wheels on your car. <laughs> I don't know what you mean. <laughs> So uh, we're back for another week. Uh, we just had the Turkish Grand Prix, of course, but we'll get to that in a moment. But first things first, of course, we'll cover the the news. And there's really not a lot to say this week. It was a fairly quiet week, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. It was very, very quiet, considering at what point we are in the season. It was very strange for it to be so quiet. This is the thing, you see, because like, normally, even still, there's some driver stuff hanging around. But again, it's just the one seat that uh, yeah. is to be filled. And I guess, speaking of the subject... Uh, we don't know who that is for that final Alpha Romeo seat, but we have a fair idea who it's not going to be. And that is, unfortunately, as we've talked about before, likely to not be uh, Oscar Piastri, who uh, discussions, or, or there's an article on Race Fans this week with uh, both Dieter Rankin and uh, Keith Collentine, that, uh, Alpha, sorry, that uh, Alpine are unlikely to release uh, Piastri to join Alpha Romeo. So it looks like that that avenue for Piastri and even as another option for Alfa Romeo is off the table with Alpine's reluctance to release him. Yeah, which is, it's not surprising, but I thought they'd come up like with like a loan type system like Ferrari have got with Giovinazzi to Alfa Romeo or something like that along them lines. But obviously, I think if uh, Guan Yu Zhou ends up going to Alpine, then he's pretty much done with the... Alpine side of things is what I read. Mm-hmm. I think Vassor basically said that he can see a future. He wants a young driver that's going to be with the team for the long term rather than someone that's going to be there for a couple of seasons and leave, which is probably what would happen with Piastri, basically when he's probably going to replace Fernando Alonso when he retires. I mean, Alfa may have done this already with uh, with Charles Leclerc. I don't. I wouldn't have thought perhaps they would have thought Leclerc would have been gone after one season. Yeah, I don't think anybody was expecting it though, do you? Mm, no, I don't. A, he just outperformed everything that season, so yeah, and it was a big move for Ferrari to make at the time because they don't they don't really take young drivers like that. So that was why that was such a shock at the time was because they just don't. It's not a thing that they usually do. No, uh, but I've got a, some quotes here from uh, Vassour, uh, Fred Vassour, of course. Uh, do Oscar is doing a very good job, he said. Uh, this is the source speaking, uh, quote, but as far as I know, understand that he's linked with uh, Renault or, or Alpine. And uh, it's just end quote for a second. I love how he's confused. <laughs> like, it's, it's Renault or Alpine. Didn't know that for nine months. Come on. <laughs> uh, quote, I didn't discuss with Alpine about this, but if you invest in a driver for all the junior series and have a long-term program with him, I don't see the point to let him go to another F1 team. It would be strange. End quote. So, like you say, like it's, you know, perhaps maybe not a ton of surprise that Alpine would be reluctant to uh, would be reluctant to uh, let Piastri go there. Yeah, it's, uh, he's the one that they've got their eye on to get that second seat in 
future, and deservedly so. But to me, he should be in the sport next season, regardless. Mm. It's a shame that he's not going to be. Just to pick up that quote again, I think that Renault helped him to do the steps between Renault, Formula Renault, Formula Three, and Formula Two. They are supportive with him, and it would be a bit unfair to complain about the situation. But you had a couple of drivers in the past doing one year of testing or one year of F2 again if he's not world champion, and then he will be successful. But it's not because he won't jump in F1 next year. That's it, the end of the world. So, end quote there. Uh, he goes on to talk about, does Vassour, about how talented he is. Uh, just pick up another quote. It's crystal clear for me that he's probably one of the best on the field today. And indeed, in the junior series, he did a great job also last year when he was fighting with Theo, this is uh, Theo Porcher, until the last event. He's one of the young kids that will be, a successful, will be successful in F1 for sure. For sure. For sure, indeed. So... That's one option that is off the table, and it seems like I understand why Renault or Alpine wouldn't want to let him go so soon. But again, that's why you don't lock up Esteban Ocon for three flipping years. Yeah, yeah. I think they're starting to uh, realise that. I hope they have outs in that contract. I really do. They don't. They definitely don't. (laughs) Uh, I hope they do. (laughs) I hope they do as well, but... Uh, you are banking on Alonso then retiring because are you going to move him on for uh, for reasons that you know like, like he's not exactly not he's, he's not exactly uh, you know not performing on the track <laughs> well Ocon's got a podium and, and a race for Moss Alonso got I know it's, it's, it's a very good point <laughs> Uh, other news uh, this is a very short one uh, Imola set for a new four year deal this uh, was written during the week it's on race fans by uh, Hazel Southwell uh, the regional, so she writes, the regional administration of Emilia Romagna, which of course the famous, the famous name, uh, has agreed terms for F1 to return to the Imola circuit on a four-year deal, a 20 million annual package jointly funded by national and regional governments plus the Automobile Club of Italy, has been agreed to keep Italy's second F1 race on the calendar until 2025. F1 returned to Imola last year following a 14-year absence, prior to which the track held a Grand Prix every year since 1980. The races return on the 22. 22- 2022 F1 calendar is expected to be at the expense of the Paul Ricard circuit in France. It will continue to offer, sorry, it will continue to hold the official title of Grand Premio del Made in Italy el del Emilia Romagna. For God's sake, <laughs> why just not Italy too? <laughs> or San Marino. You know what I mean? What's wrong with San Marino? Also, yeah. Also, I, I like Imola, but you know my love for Magello. Please, mm-hmm. for the love of God, <laughs> rotate the tracks. Yeah. We've, we've said this for years. Like, I would be happy for Spain to stay on the calendar if it was rotated with Portugal or Jerez or mm. somewhere like that or Aragon. Somewhat different. So it's not the same stale races year on year on year. Mm. But I like the fact that we are doing another another race at Emma because it has produced some good racing over the last two seasons we've been there. So, yeah, surprisingly, well, I think, as well, right? I think we all, I think everyone expected to arrive at Emma and think. Because it was obviously, like, historically, it's a difficult track to overtake on. But I think people have been pleasantly surprised with how overtaking has gone there. Yeah, the, the removal of that last chicane mm, has obviously helped huge amounts. And it's it's actually quite entertaining watching them try and get close into turn one. Just not having that good run through the last corner cost you. So for mm. me, it's one of the better tracks they've added to the calendar in recent times. And it's a try. As a, I guess it's a, a quote, a driver's track, so to speak. You know, it's it's yeah. un, it's close. It's unforgiving. It's the kind of challenge that drivers say they look for. Sector two, honestly, mm-hmm. watching them, the, this generation cars go through there, 
on rails is one of the best things you can see. So good. So, so good. I guess the interesting nugget there is that, it's, uh, you know, we obviously talk about the F1 provisional calendar for next year. There's a bit of a, there's a, this is one of the, uh, the, 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 I guess the hyphens there, so to speak, between or the brand, you know, the, the the flipping the slashes between, you know, possibly it could be at this place, it could be at this place. It seems like now that this is replacing France. So, any thoughts on Paul Ricard dissing or disappearing rather? It's Seemingly. a shame because like Paul Ricard was good this year. Funnily enough, he's probably one of the better races we've had this year hmm. after the many good ones we've had. So, I would have liked to have seen he got a new chance, get another chance with the. The new generation cars, but at the same time, I'd rather go to Imola, or there'd be a new a new track in France that we could go to. Not Magny Corps before anybody says it is not big enough. We would just <laughs> be doing Monaco, just with grass instead of barriers and stuff like that. So no thanks. I love Magny Corps, but I think you're probably right with these uh, with this at least these cars how wide they are. But again, when they when they raced a uh, you know Magny Corps you know fifteen odd years ago. It was fine. I, I, you know, it, it, you know, those cars could do it, but yeah, I think it's, I think you're right. Hmm. Uh, in terms of the French, if in, terms of, in terms of the French Grand Prix, like, look, you have they had a chance there, really. You know, they they had a million layouts to choose from. <laughs> um, yeah, and they didn't bother to change it in any of the years that we went. You know, despite having two of the worst races on each in each respective year between well 19 may have been an interesting finish but we weren't even we weren't watching it no because the tv directors are full yeah so i'm not too upset like, you know out with one at least it's at least it's a good replacement so yeah yeah so uh imla set for a new deal there and i guess the big news really in the week was uh this this surprised me now i have to say uh bush Obviously, former Formula One driver and uh, IndyCar Indy car driver as well, Michael Andretti is understood to be pursuing a takeover of Sauber, which runs Alfa Romeo's team. So, uh, race fans learned. I'm just reading from uh, this, again Keith Collentine, Dieter Rankin, uh, uh, RaceFans.net. Race fans has learned Andretti is closing in on a deal by 80% of the shares in Islero Investments at a price of 350 million euros. That's 296 million pounds, putting it in control of the Cyber Motorsport and Cyber Engineering divisions. Andretti formed the Andretti blah, 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 uh, money, money, money. Uh, Andretti's interest in Cyber has long been rumored. The F1 team was purchased by Swedish investment firm Longbow Finance in 2016. Under the Alfa Romeo brand, it has scaled up in recent seasons, doubling its F1 workforce over 500 employees and hired Valtteri Bottas to join it from Mercedes next year. Uh, and Andretti spokesperson declined to confirm the company was making a move for Sauber. So the quote is, uh, as is no secret, Formula One has been interested in Michael and the team for some, for some time. We've explored and come close on many options over the years but we have nothing new to report. Our passion is racing in all forms. Should a proper opportunity come along to take the Andretti name back to F1, we jump at it. But as of now, the opportunity has not fallen in our laps. and Our focus remains in our seven current disciplines of competition, end quote. And some of those competitions include uh, the IndyCar, of course. I believe they're taking over, uh, I think they have a Formula E team. Yes, uh, so that's all that, yeah which until this year was linked to BMW, is the note. And they're also an Extreme, extreme E. So look, it's a, it's a fairly wide operation. 
I'm I don't, I'm not surprised at its kind of inclusion in F1. I'm more so surprised that it's not the Haas outfit being talked about here than it is Alfa Romeo. Yeah, that that's what got me. I was like, well, that's fair that they're coming in. I I'm more than welcome to a uh, new teams and what have you coming in, but of all teams to pick, Alfa Romeo when Haas is basically on its knees. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's a strange one. And probably uh, Gene Haas is probably going to be looking to get out of the sport if things don't go well next season. Is my is what my understanding is. Mm. So I thought I thought they would have waited and pounced on that. Got a cut price deal and swooped in. Surely, like that rumored figure there, three hundred fifty million euros, two hundred ninety six million pounds. Surely you could take Haas, for, you know, over the operation of Haas for that. You'd probably get it for a pound. <laughs> yeah it's mm. I was just going to say I said this to you when when I sent it you I I have some feeling that Dimitri Mazepin has got something to do with that with uh, why Andretti is taking over or trying to take over Sauber instead of Haas Mm. I, I think you're right I think there's something in place some option or something that would prevent perhaps Haas from you know, discussing things with Andretti, I, I I wouldn't be at all surprised if that was. And look, it it's it's smart, right? You're you're if you're Gene Haas, that's a very smart thing to do. You're giving yourself a nice out, and also knowing that the your company that you founded is in financially secure hands. If I was I was, I was gonna say good hands, but I'm not sure about Dimitri Mazepin. But he's a good businessman, I guess. But you know, you, he's certainly financially capable. So there'd be that yeah. at least. Definitely. This also, saying that, could this open up the IndyCar link that we've been vying for this last few months? Yeah. If Andretti, if they got that deal done, it's still the only team, Alfa Romeo is, the only team with the seat left open, like we just discussed previously. They've got some good drivers in IndyCar. They do. Mainly Colton Herta. You know, very young. Do you know what else they have on their uh, on their driver I payroll now? This. I saw this on Twitter. Someone, was put, someone put... Uh, Romo Grosjean playing 4D chess with uh, his, his racing career. Leaves Haas, goes to IndyCar, races there for a year, joins Andretti for 2022, and then uh, gets the F1C for 2023. It's genius, isn't it? Absolutely. That'd be so funny. I would be in tears if that happened. That would be next level. That's that's next level chess right there. It really is. <laughs> but I think Very you're true. right. Because I think, there are, again, there's a good... There's a good, you know, supply line there that you're, you know, with uh, IndyCar. That would be great because we've, t- like I said, we talked about it for ages now. It's like, it's probably one of our most discussed kind of little little things here is like this IndyCar link. It, it is growing for sure. Like we've seen, we're seeing yeah. F2 drivers join. Uh, obviously, Pasha Award is affiliated with the McLaren program. You know, this, this is increasing and it's only going to increase. And... This would this would certainly open the door for those for those Andretti drivers, and like I say, there's some there's some good drivers in IndyCar. Yeah, and I'm sure F1 will be looking at that seat and thinking, if Andretti get that, we can really tap into that American market if they put an American driver in there. Mm. So that should be fun. Mm. Uh, that's again very light on the news this week, but I really don't think there's anything else to really. To really say so let's move on to the uh the turkish grand prix it was well 
It was a wet one, to say the uh, moist, to say the least. Uh, sat- Friday, Saturday got quite moist, and qualifying was much the same, and the race was even more moist. Now, I think straight off the bat, uh, we talked about how the kind of they they water pressured the or you know they blasted the track. Uh, to imp- improve the grip and the such. That was very much the case. I think everyone was much, much happier uh, driving around Turkey this year. Yeah, did you see the cars? How they were just so planted mm-hmm. in qualifying. The back ends, I haven't seen it like that in ages, but the back end just sticks. It's so so good to see. How it should they've have done, been. Done, yeah, basically, how it should have been the first time. But obviously, it was very short notice last year. Mm-hmm. And the uh, conditions did not help. <laughs> no. But uh, so, so I'm sure Max Verstappen was uh, delighted, given how much he did not like, did not like, did not like Portugal and didn't like uh, Turkey last year either. To be fair, mm. uh, so should we just jump into should we just jump into winners and losers of the uh, of the weekend? Yeah, yeah, uh, that's let's, the best place to go. Let's do it, and let's start with uh, the race winner, of course, being Valtteri Bottas, who won ahead of Max Verstappen and Sergio Perez. Uh, in the end, Bottas's margin was actually 14 seconds in the end. Although I've, I think, to be fair, Verstappen just uh, just eased up and just brought the uh, brought the car home. Yeah, I think that engine got turned down as soon as they realised they they were pretty much safe. Mm-hmm. They were like, yeah, let's, let's save the engine a bit. So point. Bottas obviously qualified. Bottas was looking pretty good in practice. He qualified second on Saturday, but of course that was turned into pole with Hamilton taking a. Just the one, so just the one penalty for Hamilton in the end. It was just the internal combustion engine, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was weird. I, th- I thought they'd do the full lot, to be honest. But very strange. Yeah. But uh, it did promote Bottas up to up to P one. And look, two things about Bottas that are true: his starts can be awful, and he's not good in the wet. I was convinced that Verstappen. Would, I know it's a short run down to turn one. I was convinced Verstappen would get him. And I was convinced Bottas would drop off in the wet as well. Both those things never happened. That was a very steady drive at the front from Bottas. Textbook is the word David Coulthard used mm. in the uh, post-race interviews, and I agree. It's what Bottas needed to do. And it's, it's sad that it's probably going to be his last win in F1, isn't it? Mm, that's it. Like that's I, I watched it earlier, and I'm thinking, is this, is this the last race win? Is this because I I remember the 2018 US Grand Prix? I remember watching that one. I think that's because we knew Raikkonen was on the move, of course, by that time, yeah. and thinking like that's probably going to be his last one. And I couldn't I couldn't help but feel Bottas possibly has the same same thing because in theory, other weekends you know you expect Hamilton to be up there. It's he's locked in a title fight, so they need to prioritize Hamilton over Bottas. He might be asked to be moved to be moved aside in the future if they need to get Hamilton by him. This could have been the last hurrah. Yeah, I, I was full on waiting for uh, Hamilton to get up to uh, Bottas and then Mercedes, but like, yeah, mm-hmm. move over. But it never happened because Bottas was on it and he, he drove a great race. He said himself it was probably one of the best races he's ever done. Mm. And it's been coming. It surprised him. Yeah, it's, it's overdue. Mm-hmm. First, uh, first race win since obviously Russia last year. Uh, obviously, it's it has been brewing ever since really his announcement. I guess Mercedes and Alfa Romeo's announcement of their respective driver moves. Because in Monza, look, he you know was basically <laughs> done everything you need to do essentially to uh, to to win that one. Uh, at least this brother obviously took 
the, you know, the sprint qualifying, and then obviously the engine penalties put him at the back. He had the pace to win that weekend. Uh, he had a good weekend to, to, to do, what was the last race? I'm blanking. Russia. Russia, thank you. Uh, kind of, well, I mean... Russia was, nah, he was on it in practice and qualifying, but... He was yeah. shafted, so... Absolutely stuffed. Mm, and the race did not go to plan. So, like, I think it has been brewing for a while, so I'm, I'm glad that he finally got that result that he deserves. He has deserved this of late. Yeah, I, I'm in complete agree, agreement with you there. It is, it, I think Bottas, is, like you said, he's just been reborn since that new contract announcement with uh, Alfa Romeo and the move. All that pressure's gone off him and mm-hmm. he just seems to be back to the Bottas at Williams type where I'm impressed with him. And I'm quite happy to see him up, the, up at the front, which yeah. I haven't felt like for a long time. Mm, absolutely. So very much deserved. And... Yeah, like he and here's the thing: he's going to they're going back they're going to Cota next, and he was the last winner at Cota, and it took a very good win, one of his better race wins in 2019. I cannot even remember the last race in Cota, if I'm honest. <laughs> I didn't know it was very very bumpy. It was a bumpy ride, but he it overtook Hamilton on track to get that done. He was he was on, it, so it's got to be a big mo. It's got to be a big boost of confidence for Bottas. I I don't say a good time, but arguably at a bad time for Mercedes, if you get me. Yeah. It's great for him, but terrible for Mercedes. Mm-hmm. Terrible. And uh, his 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 big win obviously helps offset Red Bull's double podium in terms of yeah. points. I think they come out scoring two more points than or three more points. I think than Red Bull because he had fastest lap as well, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. I think I worked out the Mercedes got thirty six and Red Bull got thirty three or thirty. Yeah, that was. I think he got fast lap, and that was my maths as uh, that was my maths as well. So yeah, fair play to Bottas. That was a result that was very well deserved uh who else do you have as a winner of the weekend red bull on a whole mm. mainly perez though but max more for the championship rather than the actual race weekend itself because max didn't really seem happy that with the uh setup of the car in qualifying and practice and stuff so i think he he takes p2 quite happily considering where hamilton finished mm-hmm. so for me it's a uh one that they can go home with feeling happy and knowing that they did pretty much maximise the weekend. It was, uh, it was quite a quiet week, a quite a quiet race for uh, Max, to be honest. Mm. A chance of Clerk keeping him honest, which was surprising. Yeah, very, very surprising. But yeah, he, he just got on with it, didn't he? Just left to it. It became clear early in the weekend that this seemed to be, you know, Mercedes seemed to have the upper hand, and that was kind of clear through the weekend. So I think at P two for Verstappen, very again, he called it like he said he joked afterwards that the biggest challenge was staying awake there in uh, in uh, in P two. But uh, yeah, just a good drive for him, just to keep it nice and clean. Nice quiet weekend sometimes always goes uh, always goes a, good, a long way, especially the weekend where it became clear that. He didn't. The car didn't have the pace to really challenge for the win, so you can't really get too upset that he was in second in this uh, in this championship battle. So I think he had a good race from that point of view. Uh, Perez P six and qualifies an improvement, I guess, from some of his other qualifyings, and then t- yeah. took advantage of the Gasly Alonso incident in front to jump off to immediately to fourth. That was kind of key to his race, actually. If he stuck behind. Maybe he gets by, but not being... I don't think he does. Yes, maybe that's, you could debate it, right? But not mm. not being stuck behind those two really opened up his race. And 
a, a lo- absolutely fantastic scrap between himself and Hamilton. He you, he was sending it. He knew. I, look, he said before the weekend he would like he treat Hamilton like any other driver. I'm gonna call bullshit to an extent on that because he was sending that car up the inside, you know, to defend. You knew he was going to do that. Yeah, I haven't seen a Perez be that feisty since uh, the days of Force India and Ocon, where he was just I did not like Perez and them die mm-hmm. in them times. That was what it reminded me of. He was not backing out regardless, and a good job as well. I loved it. It was one of the one of the best battles we've had all season, in my opinion. Yeah, that was. That was very fun, and I actually thought it was hard. I was going to ask. I thought perhaps the stewards would take a look at the fact that Perez got squeezed onto the left-hand side of that bollard in the pit lane. Yes, but the way the the stewards were going, it would probably be Perez got penalised <laughs> uh, for uh, going on, going over the pit lane line. Well, yeah. we'll, <laughs> so, we'll get to that. Yeah, we'll get to that. So, but. This is has this has been long due for Perez's podium. It's one he fully yeah. deserves. There have been a number of situations where he, again we talked about how, you know, he's been with a podium and then obviously something happens like a team make the wrong call or the wrong calls made or whatever and he's then out of it or a pit, slow pit stop or something. Something has prevented Perez from getting this podium. So it was good to see him finally get it and he earned it. He had a good move on Charles Leclerc as well to uh, late in the latter stages to get that P3 from him. Yeah, and uh, I think it was the weekend to do it when all eyes are on Honda as well, mm-hmm. with it being the uh, special white livery, which I'm a big fan of. That was nice. That was. I did like it. On board was sick. Loved how it had the black on the halo, mm-hmm. and then it was just white and red. So, so nice. Yeah. Uh, did you like the white overalls, though? No, they were disgusting. <laughs> I didn't they like those. Horrible. <laughs> horrible. Did I would you... rather them just left their overalls as it was. They they changed the Red Bull's entire graphics for the weekend, yeah, like like I their the team radio, even like the the race results. They had Verstappen in his white, in his white suit. <laughs> Did you see the picture of Perez though that they chose? The he lighting. It looked like he like he'd just woken up. <laughs> it probably did. Honestly, it was terrible. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but uh, a good double podium for Red Bull needed with Bottas's win. And uh, they don't gain ground, but they don't really lose a ton. That's kind of been their problem of late in the constructors is that they're kind of been losing ground, which although I think Horner this weekend said that he'd rather have Verstappen win the drivers than Red Bull win the constructors. Yeah, I think they, they're going to they're gonna win one mm. rather than both at this point, I think. Yeah, I think so. So, uh, yeah, good weekend for them and sexy car. Whew. Very sexy. More teams. Take note, please. Mm, white cars I, is good. Any one-off livery that's not an Alfa Romeo one-off livery is good uh, Alfa Tari please bring more white to the car next year I, I like the balance they've got at the minute but yeah I like I last like, year's I'm, car much more uh, I, like, I like this year's a lot more uh, I'm going to give, give a winner to Ferrari on the weekend yes, 100% uh, fourth place for Charles Leclerc in the race and Carlos Sainz stormed from the back of the grid with a new well 19th on the grid uh, to eighth place, he was. I, I, I was on board with Carlos Sainz for most of this race. It was so fun watching him go through the. You probably see it on F 1s YouTube or something. You know, in the week to come. Oh, that's a charge. Mm, Carl, yes, that, you've, 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 you've nailed, I've nailed it. There, yeah, you've, you've nailed the video title. But it was super fun. He made really good progress, as well, especially when the others were quite were struggling a bit. 
he made absolutely fantastic progress. Finished eighth. Uh, I how I won. I didn't even think about this afterwards, but I don't know if we found the cause of why his stop was so slow. Yeah, I, I don't know what they were doing. He just sat there for five seconds. Like he could have got out in front of the house mm -hmm. if that's what they were waiting for. Well, he, here's the thing: was, he only finished four seconds behind Norris in the end, who was only a second in turn behind Gasly, who was only a second behind mm. Hamilton or so. Give or take a couple of seconds in between that, but they were all in that pack. He could have been right in there. Yeah, the signs finished ten seconds behind Hamilton at the end of that race, and that was with that pit stop. That's crazy. Yeah, that's uh, ridiculous. So, Sainz had a great race, great overtaking. Uh, aside from the uh, little clumsy, uh, little clumsily uh, effort there to get by Vettel, but uh, I think that was that was going to happen sooner or later, though. I reckon because he was he went on the curb, and I think that's what mm. sort of stuffed him up. Really, it wasn't. It was late, but I don't think yeah. I've seen later moves than that it in the past. He came in a little hot and understeered a little bit into Vettel, but it didn't look like damage for either. To be fair. So, yeah, the one that one Stuart called actually got right. I know, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, for Charles Leclerc, he started third. Like you said, his pace, he would consistently about one and a half, two seconds or so behind Verstappen, and who in turn was only a couple of seconds behind Bottas. So, some excellent play, pace from that Ferrari. They really, really encouraging. They, in the end, they decided to stick it out. Did Ferrari and Leclerc? To I think they look. I, I I completely understand where they're coming from. Like you know, you you leave him out there. If he, you know, the chance to win in theory was at least there. And I don't. I think it's different. We'll obviously talk about Hamilton and Mercedes, but I think it's different to leave Charles Leclerc out there than it is to leave Lewis Hamilton out there, for example. Yeah, Ferrari have got nothing to lose mm -hmm. at that point. They're, they're battling McLaren. If they can come home with a race win rather than a P4 or P5, they're going to take that chance. Mm -hmm. Why wouldn't you at the end of the day? Yeah. It, that, that car in practice was looking really good. Mm -hmm. I was very surprised. Did we both not say it was going to be a McLaren track on I, last week's podcast? I don't know, actually. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure one of us said McLaren. But even still, they dominated McLaren this weekend. They did. Absolutely dominated them. Wasn't even close. Very... Very quiet from McLaren all weekend. Uh, I'll talk about the standings in a sec, but just with, the, just with Leclerc, uh, he obviously lost out that. He actually came out ahead of Perez when they finally did decide to box him, but the problem with the late stoppers with himself and Hamilton was that they went through that graining phase uh, too late into the race and they lost an awful lot of time. Now, Leclerc was able to stabilise. He had to fight off Hamilton there. He was able to stabilise and then Hamilton then went through his graining and uh, Leclerc was able to hang on for a P4 there. But good double points finish from McLaren, or for Ferrari, which I'm not sure, again, how much they could have expected Sainz to charge through the field, but uh, they'll definitely take it, some extra points there. But if you look at the standings, uh, McLaren on 240 points, Ferrari 232 and a half. <laughs> so close. So, so close. Oh, it's been so fun. And then you've got the, the two Ferrari drivers themselves separated by, is it half a point? It's half a point. It's, I think it's, yeah, Science is ahead on 116 and a half points to Leclerc's 116. <laughs> the thing is, though, the pattern I'm noticing is one Ferrari driver can do well and the other one has a, an okay race. They're never both on it. Very weird. They do seem to run in different parts of the track, don't they? It's a strange one. Yeah. Did you hear what the uh, radio from Leclerc where he asked if where he's going to come out, <laughs> and he's like, "If you stay in front, you're P one. 
<laughs> right, okay. It's not quite the information I think he was looking for, but I, know. I, I he's understand. Like, if I stay out, then where am I going to finish? That's all he needed to know. Uh, <laughs> by the way, was this the first weekend we actually, uh, on Sky Sports anyway, they had uh, Ferrari on the pit wall during the race yes. weekend? Yes, that's nice. It's uh, the first time I've seen that. A very long time. Because Ferrari just don't do this kind of thing. So Ferrari don't do. They didn't do esports for the first season. Mm-hmm. They didn't do Netflix for the first season. Mm-hmm. They, they just don't do anything like that. Normally, can do they? Very rare you see them mm. in post-race interviews from the actual team side of it. Rather than do, it's normally just the drivers. And uh, very famously, during like the mid two thousand and such, like v- you would hear nothing essentially from Ferrari radio until like the end of the race. Yeah. And they were telling the they they tell the winning driver you're about to be broadcast, like they just never shared anything. <laughs> I like that, but at the same time, I don't. It's, uh, I much prefer yeah. it like this. I like the access. Yeah, um, I do. I do. I found it funny though that because um, we knew science was taking his engine penalty to uh, for the upgrade engine that obviously the clerk got in uh, Russia. And I love how just despite they uh, use science to knock out Daniel Ricciardo in Q one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, at the end of the day, they need to be doing that. It was great. Oh, it was great. Like, absolutely. Like, why shouldn't they? They should think absolutely. I I just thought it was hilarious, but they absolutely should do that. Yeah. And then they they actually used their brains for once in their life and uh, (laughs) gave Leclerc a a slipstream. Yeah. Which I I, I wasn't even expecting until I saw the Ferrari go past. I was like, wait, what? What's this? (laughs) The, 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 The Ferrari have actually got it spot on. Uh, and yeah, <laughs> not a track I would associate towing with, but uh, there you go. No, but the straight's big enough, so why not? So well done, Ferrari. You got a, you got it spot on, and oh man, I I don't know what way it's going to end up there. Seven and a half points, and is it in theory they should have a better car for the race finale in uh, Abu Dhabi, right? That surely that would suit that car's characteristics more. You would say that, but McLaren went very very well there last year. Arguably could have been on the podium if it weren't for the uh, just the Mercedes and Red Bull just mm. being on it, and even Alex Albon being on it that weekend. So uh, it's going to be fascinating to see the uh, the rest of the, again, like we said, we're saying all season long, and I can't wait to talk about it heading heading into the uh, into the closing stages of the season. But uh, who else have you got as a winner of the weekend? Gasly. Not so much for the incident at the start, which I don't think was his fault, but. He was just solid all weekend. On it in qualifying, fastest in practice three. Although it was wet, and it's a matter of just being out there at the right time, but he was still there. And uh, finished in uh, P6, or P5, whatever it was, P6. P6. Well, it should have been P5, really, because if you're, if you're of the opinion that, you know, that five-second penalty was harsh, he would have come out ahead of Lewis Hamilton after his, uh, after his stop. Yeah. 100%. And the fact he got two penalty points for that as well. Mm. The same as what Bottas got for uh, absolutely Stop. wiping out half the grid. In Hungary. You know, you know, for something that was a turn one racing incident. But, you know, whatever. On the first viewing, I thought Gasly, like, he said he got sandwiched. I, you, you don't see the Red Bull on the inside. Like, you really don't. Uh, did he re- overreact to that, perhaps, and into Alonso then? I just think he understood mm. more than anything. It was, I think he was surprised that Alonso came. He was just more surprised of where he was in relation to the cars around him. And it was just unfortunate that Alonso was there. 
and then the yeah. contact. If that contact was on the side pod or anything like that, Alonso would have been fine. But it was just where he tapped him on the rear wheel or whatever it was, and it just sent him around. Mm-hmm. Especially in those conditions. But uh, despite that, though, he finishes in sixth, eight points, and a good weekend in that for AlphaTauri in that regard because uh, with Alcon only getting the point there, it does allow, it does allow uh, AlphaTauri to close in on Alpine somewhat. They're still trailing by 12 points. Uh, but they extended the gap. Not so much. Not so much. It's that's enough. You know, a good weekend for either. You know that because that's that's not that's not done yet. That little battle for fifth there. Yeah, that's that's like we said. There's so many little battles in between each team, between two teams. It's just ridiculous this year. <laughs> Apart from, uh, uh, and they obviously gained some ground on uh, Aston Martin, of course, with uh, just got a few points with. Uh, yeah, we won't we won't talk about that. Um, so yeah, Pierre Gasly, strong weekend for for him. Uh, I'll throw in two two little small ones here. I'll throw in Lance Stroll. Uh, and I'm sorry to talk, sorry to bring up Aston Martin here, but uh, look, he got the chap got through the Q3 solidly enough when his teammate did not. He scored some points. There's a reason why his teammate did not. We'll talk about that <laughs> in a bit. But. Uh, I guess an understated weekend there for Stroll. And look, if, here's the result. It's just, they're just not spectacular results, but at least he's doing what his teammate is not, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's the kind of weekend he's been sort of needing, it's just, isn't yeah. it? He's, he's, he's had one of the worst seasons of recent times for himself since the Williams days. He's not been very good this season at all. It's been very uh, meh. Very less. He's left a very poor taste in my mouth. Like, I, don't get any dirty thoughts about that anymore before, <laughs> before you say anything. Like, I, yeah, I'm just like in my head. Like, we're giving this guy like a mini winner of the weekend for like an Aston Martin in ninth. Yeah, <sighs> a car that was, Do you know, fighting the third in the championship last season. You know, in cars that are continuations of essentially last year's cars. So. But our rake is the main reason why we, <laughs> we, we can't we can't do it. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Well done. Um, moving swiftly on, uh, Mick Schumacher, quick one for him. Yeah, he was unfortunate in the race that he got absolutely yeeted, but in qualifying, mm-hmm. unreal, absolutely unreal. Yeah, uh, that was his second Q two appearance. Yes, the other one being France. But the and he crashed down. Yes, that was the thing. The first one was kind of marred by the fact that he happened to be there. And I think actually Lance Stroll actually was the one, the one that actually got caught out that day because he was, uh, I think he actually hadn't been able to set a lap time, had to abort it. And then Schumacher had set the time, then crashed. And then his red flag then, in, by extension, got him through to uh, to Q2. But in the wet conditions, Schumacher on merit got himself into Q2. Uh, so fair play to him, showing some of that. Again, look, he hasn't, neither has drivers really had a chance to show a ton of, uh, of their, I guess, potential or, you know, their skill. And uh, it was nice to see Schumacher there in those conditions show a little bit of that. Yeah, they both got quite a bit of TV time in the race, to be fair to them. So <laughs> arguably one of them got it for worse reasons than the other. But mm-hmm. yeah, we'll get to that. Um, Do you have any other winners of the weekend here? I have Alfa Romeo down just because it was quiet. But <laughs> I wouldn't be writing home about it. No. So they were sort of the we did okay type category, but mm-hmm. we didn't do anything amazing. 
Which is where I would have put Stroll. It, yeah, they need. It's like I know we've given brief mention to Esteban Ocon here, who did the no stop, and you see his tire. Yeah, horrible. I've seen flat spots, and then there's that. Yeah, it's, I saw someone write out because it was like an, an O shape. It was someone wrote out Ocon in the uh, in the rubber. It made me laugh when I saw it. The thing is, like, I watched the last few laps on board with him. It's not, it wasn't actually that bad. It was just desperately slow. Yeah. Yeah, which is going to be at that time because I'm surprised with it being Pirelli that we didn't see punctures, if I'm honest, because mm. I was like, right, they're going to have to stop because they're going to get punctures. There's no way that, that's why I probably think Rebel appeared, to be honest, because they were like, yeah, we're not, we're not even going to chance it. You know what Pirelli's like. No thanks. <laughs> um, but yeah. It's funny, Ocon afterwards said that, like, one more corner and he would have been done for. Yeah. He lost about four seconds on that, four and a half seconds on that last lap to Giovinazzi, who needed just one more corner, I reckon, to uh, to get it done. So, yeah. But look, for a point, you know, fair play. Ocon was not spectacular on the weekend, but uh, that, well, the stra- no, no denying that the strategy there definitely put himself within a point. So, fair play. Yeah. And he made it work as well. Not everyone can make a no-stop work, so... Congratulations to uh, Esteban Ocon for that. Mm. Right, should we move on to the losers? Uh, yes. <laughs> let's 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 get let's begin with Lewis Hamilton because. Um, I mean, well, can I start with Mercedes actually first? Because, yeah, it became clear in the weekend that that Merc was quicker than the Red Bull. Been so, quicker than the Red Bulls in Silverstone. Let's be real. So we won't say anything else on that. <laughs> so, so I'm a little confused. Do they have to take this this weekend? Because with how the race worked out, that could have easily been Hamilton at the front where Bottas was. Very, it very easily. Have. Did they yeah, need he, to do this this weekend? I, I mean, where else are they going to do it that you can overtake? Because we know Mexico, you can't overtake. USA's. I don't know about USA because we haven't been there. Brazil isn't the best. And then Qatar is unknown. Saudi Arabia is unknown. And Abu Dhabi, you can't overtake. So for me, this is the best option because you can get it done. And he did, to be fair. He didn't get as many as I thought he would. No, no. When he got to fifth by lap 18, I was beginning to panic as I rise winning <laughs> the race, isn't it? There's going to be some daft safety car that hashtag bless comes into effect and he ends up winning, but no, surprisingly, he uh, ended up struggling with the uh, grain at the end, and it cost him because arguably he would have got the pace to uh, get on, get back onto the podium. Well, he's a loser of the weekend because Mercedes called him in early, and he's like, "No, I'm staying out." And uh, which is fair, is for it a few though? Laps. Yes, if it. For in them conditions, lap. yeah, like that's what I mean. Like for a couple of laps, fair enough. Just see how the tyres are, then we can go from there. But he should have listened to them, a hundred percent. Like there's, like there's a reason why it's so, it's so weird. Like because he listened to them in Sochi, won the race. Does he like? Does he mm. not trust in the team? Or like they, like they, they don't just call him in for the fun of it. They've run in live time millions of different simulations with track conditions and tyre conditions and everything was saying I, I agree when Ricardo pitted for his inters on his first stop Might as well that was too early and he, that, that didn't really work out but it became clear that the no stop was not going to be viable 
I don't yeah. know. Like he, oh, and then what I didn't like and why he's a loser at the weekend is he just continued to bitch and moan about what was ultimately his own decision to stay out. If he had pitted when Mercedes called him in, or even a lap later, he would have, he would have gone through that grain in face and back out of it again. He would have finished ahead of Leclerc, and I can doubt, he probably would have been pretty close to Sergio Perez as well. Yeah, if not got him, like I say. So I, I just don't understand how you can blame the team for it when they, when they uh, pretty they much tried. told him to pit. <laughs> And they were right in the pit lane a few times. Yeah. And he just ignored it. Now, the first one was a late call. Yeah. Like I said, I'll give him the grace on the first one because some of it is just fear and you're a bit confused. You're like, are you sure this is right? Because I'd be the same if I was in this situation. Yeah. But when they're saying it again the next lap and again later on and you're still not coming in Mm -hmm. and then he's like, oh, 10 laps to go. I need to pit now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Uh, to, like in his like, I will say this in Hamilton's defense. The first one was he got called into the box just before he got to the end of that back straight, and yeah. he's going through the last few corners. And then he looked like he was going to go in, and then he stayed out. And again, that's when he started questioning this. But to get and then the the usual shit after the race, like where he just sits in the car and does nothing, like and says nothing on the radio essentially afterwards. Like I'm sorry, like this is the most frustrating part about it because. Like it's, if you took it on the chin, I'd respect him a lot more. This is this is the main reason I I'm not a fan of Hamilton. It's just his attitude when things don't go his way. I can understand the frustration. He's in a close battle. Fair enough. We all get a little bit argy bargy, but at the end of the day, he's got to work with the team to win the championship, not work against them. Yeah. Start throwing the toys out the pram at every opportunity. When has Bottas thrown the toys out of the pram when he's been the uh, wingman for the last five years? Yeah, asked right. to move aside, asked not to fight. You know, and then, on more than uh, 10 occasions. Mm. And like, here's the thing like, you have, like, you think, like, it's some, it, it can come across as thinking he's bigger and knows better than the team. And you have Charles Leclerc, who was, again, was, you know, quite late on the call as well, but came in when he was asked to do. Yeah. He was working with the team lap by lap to say, right, I think this is this. I think we should pit this lap. What's my gap? He was making sure that it was the right time. I didn't hear Hamilton doing any of that. He was just going around, no, 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 I'm not pitting. And then questions, why Why am I, why are you behind? Why are we, why are we behind the clerk, et cetera, et cetera. And then got close to him, then ruined his tyres. And then by the time he got them back, gone. Like that was a almost. I've I, I feel bad for I I would have would have been, I would have loved to have heard the scenes if Gasly had actually managed to like jump him or overtake him. I was literally just going to say, could you imagine if Lando, Gasly, and Science all got past him? <laughs> that would have been there. Radio Gold. He would have not been happy. He would have sat in that car for a good half an hour <laughs> after the race, sulking. He probably would have gone home and on the flight with his uh, helmet still on. Not talking to anybody. <laughs> I, I didn't even see him come and con- congratulate Bottas or the team. Did what did you make of his gesture with the pole position trophy wheel? I mean, I'm glad he gave it him, but I'm like eh. the manner of which looked. For those who don't know, so obviously Hamilton technically qualified on pole, but obviously had to give it up with the. Uh, the penalty, and uh, I think Bottas wanted this, which is fair. I don't, I don't blame Bottas for wanting his uh, 
because it's technically his pole position ultimately that's what the record book will uh will have it's a Valtteri Bottas mm. pole position and the message he put on it was uh, to Valtteri enjoy my pole nice lap though th though and then 102 tick yeah it's a bit like yeah I'm better than you type attitude isn't it that's what I got from that. I don't look if that were came from Daniel Ricardo I would laugh but yeah I don't the the I I don't re look maybe I'm I wouldn't see Lewis Hamilton as the most humorous person in the world. No, I I never ever got that vibe from him. So he's not <laughs> Vettel or Daniel Rick or Lando yeah. or Carlos, someone like that. Yeah. So that gesture comes off as a prick move more so. I could be wrong about the intention, of course, but that's what come knowing who it's from. It that's the kind of vibe it gives off. A, a, a little salty, I think. Yeah, he's like well. I'm just not. It's just little digs, isn't it? He's like making his presence known that he's it's his team and it's he's the boss type of thing. Again, I do side with him in the sense that he again probably should have been at the front. I you know the penalty should did they need to take it this weekend when they had such they enjoyed a pretty strong advantage over Red Bull as they did. That may not be the case in the future. So look, yeah. He got from 11th to 5th. The gap at the, st- at the top of the standings has changed. It's now it's now six points six? heading into Kota. Uh, so, uh, obviously not out of it by any means, but, yeah. could I think it could have been more if there wasn't that absolute need to change. That one component, I guess this is it's only one component changed. Do we, is, are they that confident that the rest of them are going to be okay? Giving how what happened to Bottas, or allegedly happened to Bottas, his fourth unit. Mm. I, I don't I honestly think he's going to have to take another penalty somewhere along the line, or risk the one I, failing. Yeah, yeah, or well, there will be a failure at some point. Yeah, so I kind of yeah, I think I think I've said all I want to say about about that side of the garage. Sir Lewis Hamilton. Yes. Um, I'm going to chuck another loser in here um, before you hop in with one. I'm going to give Fernando Alonso a loser the weekend, but only out of uh, this four. <laughs> poor old Fernando Alonso. Like he gets gets good starts. He got on the outside in wet conditions. Remember Singapore 2017? He's going to be like yep. third. Gets caught up in the me- uh, the Vettel Verstappen Raikkonen and mess. And uh, turn one today gets caught up with a. Ga- I don't think Alonso did particularly anything wrong on into turn one. Just like you said earlier, wrong place, wrong time. But that thoroughly ruined his race, and that was only compounded by Alonso's very, a very rare own mistake from Alonso, where he kind of, I think, frustration kind of was a little bit present, and there's a bit of a clumsy, uh, clumsy bit of contact with Mick Schumacher. I don't think that ultimately really changed Schumacher's trajectory for the race. He ended where he was going to end up. He's still beat Mazepin. I know. And here's the other thing with that. Schumacher was behind Mazepin. Like he was catching him when all the leaders hit the blue. You know, they hit the blue flags for the first time, yeah. and so like it must be terribly frustrating. Like to be there, you're racing your teammate flash, and then you gotta let people go, and you're catching him, and then you're falling back and catching him and falling back, and then yeah, like you said, he still beat uh, beat Mazepin. But just just for Alonso, uh, a rough weekend. Uh, yeah, quality was brilliant. That was his brilliant. highest song position in, in seven years. Mm. Obviously, you've got to take the years out that he wasn't in the sport, but yeah, yeah. Uh, sadly, again, I don't think he was particularly at fault for 
term one with Gasly. He was on the hook for Schumacher, but should never have been there in the first place. Yeah, I would have liked to have seen where he would have been pace-wise. Yeah. Because obviously, Ocon, we didn't really go to see it because he was just tire-saving the entire race and wasn't really anywhere. The only time I saw him was when uh, he was trying to go past Vettel and when he was uh, being passed by Sainz. Mm. So, I'd like to think yeah. he could have been in that kind of... He could have been in that Leclerc range. I think more likely that maybe Gasly, Norris, Sainz kind of range. Yeah, I was going to say he's, de- he's definitely going to be doing everything to stick with Gasly and Norris. Mm. So uh, not to be for this weekend for Alonso, but I guess you know that's just the sort of thing that... Uh, that happens every now and then. Uh, unfortunate, given that Gasly scored some good points. Ironic, isn't that Gasly scored some good points at the expense? Uh, I'm sure yes. they'll be loving that down at Alpine. <laughs> uh, who do you have as a loser at the weekend? Aston Martin strategist. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's pissing it down. Well, it's been pissing it down. There isn't a dry line on the track. Everyone around you is pitting for another set of inters. Doesn't look like it's going to dry up before the end of the race. But you're like, you know what? I fancy some yellow Pirellis. <laughs> and sends out Sebastian Vettel on a set of yellow Pirellis. And that car was spinning up in seventh gear. Seventh gear. And <laughs> you did interject because this was Vettel's call. You made that very much clear afterwards that this was his call. Did he? Oh, yeah. God said. Yeah. Oh God! Either way, Aston Martin loser of the weekend for that. <laughs> loser, loser of the weekend for allowing him to do that. Yeah. What were they thinking? Honestly, like I saw, I because we'd seen a few stops already at this stage, like and there was fresh interest, and it's clear that's without, like because the like it wasn't really raining, but the water just wasn't like there were drivers hunting for water offline, but the it just wasn't going anywhere. Like it just it, it just, wasn't warm enough. It wasn't humid enough for it mm, to get for it to start drying off. Yeah. So. It became clear that one stop to Inters was the way people were going. So you can imagine everyone's surprised when you just Vettel pull into the pits. I had to, like, hold on a second. Those, those, are, those are mediums. It just cut to him. It just cut to him. I was like, wait, what? Is this, is this wrong? Have they put the wrong tyres on? <laughs> and, then it, and then it pops out and he's just... You see yellow flags pop up straight away. And yeah. I'm like, okay, he's in the barrier somewhere or spinning around. And yeah, he was off the track everywhere. I had to uh, I had to jump on board on F1 TV just because I was like I have to see this like I have to see how he gets on. It took about two. I think it took less than two corners. Like oh, like yeah, this is this was not the right choice. And the like, yellow flags was not because he went. He did go off in places. The yellow flags was just because he was going so slow. Did you see him at turn eight? My <laughs> word, there was a Red Bull or something that came. I think it might have been an AlphaTauri. He was on the racing line and the AlphaTauri just missed him. And I mean just. Yeah. So close. Uh, I was sure he was going to end up sliding off the track into the wall or into the into a, some sort of gravel trap. But uh, or into someone. I was I was very surprised mm. that he didn't on the back straight. <sighs> Jesus Christ! Uh, but he managed to get back, although just about. Uh, if that was the Sochi pit lane, he probably ends up in the wall and I damages the rear suspension some way. But managed to get back in. But finished P eighteen behind the Tifi behind Alonso, just had the two Haas cars. Uh, the other th- here's the other thing. If he'd stayed out and just did the normal strategy, he'd probably score finish ahead of, finishes either ahead of his teammate at the very least or ahead of Ocon. But the, it cost them point slash a point. Yeah, so. it's, it's, it's cost themselves at the end of the day. So 
So, yeah, yeah. C- congratulations. <laughs> yeah, just a, another add-on to uh, Aston Martin's fantastic season. Yeah, pretty pretty bad. So, uh, anyways, well done, Sebastian Vettel. That was uh, not the best strategy call in the world. Uh, I'm going to give a loser of the weekend to... Uh, I'm going to give one to George Russell, reluctantly, because his trajectory of the weekend was kind of changed by his own error coming out of the last turn in qualifying. He felt like he really should have been on for Q3. If he is into Q3, he probably doesn't finish 15th in this race. Yeah, it was it was a terribly quiet weekend for them, wasn't it? Mm. I don't think I even saw them once on track. So, yeah, just that, that cock up in the last corner basically set him up to fail for the rest of the weekend. Mm. And it's those kind of things that won't fly at Mercedes next year. It's those little things that, you know, which is, fu- if it's a, will- like, not like no one really cares this week. Like, it doesn't, like, who, like, ultimately, who cares? Like, you know, obviously the team will care, he will care, but if the outsiders as such, he finished P15 in the wet in Istanbul. Uh, but, you know, no one really cares in the Williams. In the Mercedes, similar situation, similar mistake, it's magnified 10 times. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it is easy to do when you're trying to push hard in a very, uh, what shall we say, uh, poor car in comparison to the a car that the Mercedes or Red Bull mm, will have stuck. So I, I can understand him trying to live up to the reputation of Mr. Sade. But, <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, he's cost himself and the team more than anything. Arguably, when they could have been gaining getting points on the rivals, I see that last points pay position with Ocon as a anyone could have had this point basically. If you could they've have made had decisions. I, I would have said Sonoda's. That would have been Sonoda's point. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah. I want to lump in look at Yuki Sonoda there because what what happened to him in this race? He spun before he went to the back straight, then, didn't he? He was he was doing all right. Held Hamilton back for quite a long time at the start of the race. He did. For four or five laps. said he really wanted... Uh, there's a, a story of race fans uh, about this, that he, he, quote, wants Max to win, end quote, and tried to keep him behind for longer. Yeah, but he did, to be fair. And then Hamilton just absolutely sent it around the outside in a very, very mm. nice move. He did a few times. Caught yeah. a few people off guard. Other than Perez, Sonoda definitely was able to pull up the the biggest defence on Hamilton that anyone else could offer, including Gasly. Yeah, I, th- I thought, honestly, he would struggle to get past Gasly and he struggled to get past Lando. I went to the toilet thinking Hamilton would be still be on Lando for a few laps. I come back down and he's passed him in a second in, the, a second in front of him. Yeah. There, thought, oh, okay. There really was not much resistance uh, until he got up to Perez and then obviously Leclerc then later on. Uh, but... Look, I know he sort of made Q three, but I I thought perhaps he could have been, he could have scored some points today, and I don't even know where he was when he spun. I don't think the sp- did the spin really cost him points. I'm not sure. Yeah, he was he was in he was in the points. He was ninth, I think. Yeah. So, and then he, he's uh, ended up having another spin, which seems to have about five mm. every weekend, and it uh, basically condemned him to like I think he finished fourteenth. Something like that. Yeah, finished 14 behind Daniel Ricciardo there. Um, he's having a good weekend, to be fair, with Sonoda, and then race did not yeah. go to plan. That's normal. Uh, who else do you have as a loser of the weekend? Danny Rick. I mean, he was unlucky in qualifying that he was one of the first to set his lap. Mm. And then 
Ferrari just being complete savages. <laughs> so as, as we spoke about earlier on, sending him out in out of Q one, arguably probably helped the help McLaren in a way. Definitely helped make they, a wind up for sure. Yeah, because they they knew they were going to have to take an engine penalty at some point, and they were like, right, might as well at this point take the engine penalty, stick him behind Carlos Sainz, and probably try and follow the Ferrari through. Because that that was what my plan would have been, mm-hmm. but it didn't work. No. That McLaren just didn't have the pace this weekend. No, and like he, just, he got stuck. Like Norris had a very average weekend, and I thought McLaren did well enough. I don't know what happened in the second stint though, because he he was the first to make this the first stop of the race, and yeah. something happened to his tires or something because he just he was behind Ocon and then just dropped. The two Alfa Romeos got him at the end of the race. I looked it like the last he was two laps. Mm, like it looked he like just, he was going to get a point. Yeah, I honestly thought, all right, he's absolutely ace this by pitting first, and then somehow he ends up dropping like two places, two or three places in the last two laps. So I was quite surprised. Yeah, so something happened there for sure. But uh, I thought, yeah, look, I thought he made decent progress in the race. But that, like you said, that McLaren just just did not agree with that track and in those conditions. No. So I think they lost some ground on Ferrari, but I think. Having Ricardo's penalty out of the way, it would be a good thing, even though Sainz got his out of the way and finished eight, you know. So Yeah. It's uh, just when do they do it now with Lando? Because I'm sure they're gonna have to do with Lando as well. Yeah, I'm not sure when. Uh, I mean I wonder I wonder even how maybe we might see a quota as like the last chance, so to speak, before the tracks where it really gets difficult to overtake. Yeah, and unknowns. Like yeah. Obviously, Qatar is an unknown. Saudi Arabia is an unknown. Uh, probably not happening. Abu Dhabi, to an extent, <laughs> Abu Dhabi to an extent is an unknown because the changes there may help? Question mark. May? I think we're hopeful it helps, but mm, hopeful is a strong word. So, Cota really may present Cota Mexico. I think are the last real two chances to uh, to. Uh, it's purely dependent on how hot it is. Mm. If it's hot, you ain't getting past. So, uh, yeah, we'll see how many uh, are taken. And the Norris, I think, has to take some as well. Uh, do you yes. have... Oh, sorry, go on. No, I was just agreeing with you. Mm. Do you have any other losers of the weekend before we wrap up? The stewards, just in general. <laughs> like, what were they doing? In what world is Gasly's... Incident with Alonso, a five-second penalty and two penalty points. How? <laughs> I, d- I just don't understand where they were going. I know we've already spoke about it, but mm. they were just they were just awful. Uh, to be fair, Gasly pretty much took that on the chin. Uh, didn't really complain about it too much. Again, if just to play devil's advocate, that was Lewis Hamilton. He would have been complaining until Kingdom Come in the comments afterwards. You know. Yeah. Um, one of the things he said afterwards is, "We should have pitted it earlier, or not at all." And it's like you could have pitted earlier when the team called you in. Mm. Anyways, exactly. uh, I don't have any other, lose- other losers of the weekend either. Like I said, very underwhelming, like very average weekend for Lando Norris. Uh, Latifi's about where you expected. Mazepin about where you expected. He did. I. He, Although he did claim visibility in his mirrors was the reason why his for his close call with Hamilton, and I inclined to believe him. 
I was going to say, I'm not being funny. He caught some stick for that, but at the same time, he's not going offline when he's going down that straight because it was they were spinning out yesterday. Never mind if in today when it's a lot worse conditions. So I don't blame him to work. He either lets Lewis go before and loses a load of time, or he waits till he's past that small mm. right hand turn and then uh, lets Lewis go like he did. So I don't know. Yeah, I'm not, I'm inclined not to blame him too much for that, really, to be fair, this time around. So, um, yeah. I'm inclined to believe him in that one. Uh, right, that's going to do it for a... Uh, let's see if any other closing thoughts. I don't, not on the Turkish Grand Prix. No, very much so. So, next race is in two weeks' time. It is at the Circuit of the Americas. Uh, get you, if you're into the W Series, it's also returning. I might try and check that some of that out there, to be fair, because... As the sole, as the sole, it's the sole support series now that's left. Well, not left, but that's it's going to be there for USA and Mexico. Ooh, so yeah, double header there. So I think to finish their season, there's a nice little title fight in that one as well between uh, Jamie Chadwick and Alice Powell. Powell. That's correct. So if you like, if you didn't really check out any other part of the season, then if you like a nice close title fight, then. Uh, that might appeal to you if you're not doing anything else on those weekends. Because every other racing series is pretty much wrapped up. Pretty much. Like, F3 is obviously done. F2 doesn't come back till next year. <laughs> IndyCar is pretty much done. IndyCar is done, right? So, uh, mm. I believe, I don't know if the uh, Formula European Regional Masters Series, depends like Alpine, is still. It was on this weekend. Uh, I mean, they're probably still spelling out the title, never mind. <laughs> Where was it this weekend? I got, could I got you, the, could you imagine the trophy for that, by the way? <laughs> oh, the, the plaque that they're going to have carved into that. Oh, you need to check this out because guess where it was this weekend? Where? Your favourite track. My favourite track? Your favourite track. Well, Spain. No, no we, you, talked Spain. About, you talked about it earlier this this, this podcast. Oh, it's a Magello. It's at Magello. Oh, I'm going to have to watch that now. Yeah, on YouTube. Uh YouTube, youtube.com slash Formula Euro- Regional European Championship presented by Alpine. That's the that's the name for it. Same, same, same effect. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it was at, uh, at Magello. I checked that out myself, actually. So, uh, there you go. We, if, you want, if you want to do something between next week. Voice. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you can do that. Um, right, that's going to do it for another edition of the Switchback Formula One podcast. I have been Graham. Uh, are you going to do my future? Are you going to guess... A track, uh, a team, or you're not? Uh, well, by all means, throw it at me. So, we're talking 1989 Formula One. Oh, shit me. Yes. Oh, no. I've never heard of half of these teams, so good luck. <sighs> Fuck. We're, we're going to the southern re- regions of Italy for this oh, one. Oh, not again. So, okay. Yes. Italy. Yes, the, the drivers are Gregor Fotek and Oscar Lalari. And the team, I I don't know, even know how to even pronounce it. What engines did they run? They ran Cosworth. Cosworth engines. engines. Everything ran a Cosworth, though. Um, oh, God. 89. They were in F1. Their first entry into Formula 1 was the 1988 Brazilian Grand Prix, and they ran for 46 races. So basically three oh, years. Oh, another shitter of it. Like, like, like flipping... F- they also Ford. ran a Ford engine in their first year. Oh, dear. I'm very impressed. This is like, you've got to be on your game to know this one. 
I I don't think I will be. Oh, like here's the thing about like late eighties, early nineties teams. Some like it was a similar situation to the Indy Five Hundred, where some of them they you, 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 not every team qualified for every race. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they didn't qualify. So this is the thing, like, so teams like this get buried, like shitters that are there for like three, three seasons, three two and a bit seasons. Um, three chassis for one season is is also telling. <laughs> oh god, you're gonna have to try and give me a hint because otherwise this is gonna be hopeless. So it's the the start of the team is it, the first word is Euro, and then it's uh racing. Euro uh, racing, not Euro car racing. Yeah, speak with you know how Italians speak with their hands. Try and <laughs> try and do that. If I if hand. I channel my hand movements, then your maybe I can your, conjure uh, the uh, the answer. Channel your inner Italian Jesus. Mm. Uh, well, I mean, I am here for it. <laughs> I am moving my hands as we speak to try and <laughs> stir the magic, but um, Eurotech. Oof, other edge of the alphabet. Other end. I'd very much doubt you'll get it. Very much doubt uh, it. No, probably not. Fire away. Euro Brun Racing. Brun? The, yes. Euro Brun Racing. Wow. Never yes. heard of those. I had never heard of them. There's about six teams in this 1980 championship that I'd never, ever heard of. Shoot, shoot some names. I want to hear some. Equipe La Russe, which was a Lola Lamborghini chassis. Okay. Colony Spa, which was a Ford-powered car. West Zack Speed Racing, which yes. is a German Yamaha team. I've heard of that one. Monitron Onyx Formula One. Vaguely remember oh. that one. Royal Racing. <laughs> no. Automobiles Gonfronese <laughs> Sportifs. God, what's that? French? Yeah, yeah. Oof, okay. And then... First racing, first racing, which had one driver, and they never <laughs> raced. <laughs> I will like. Here's the thing: like, we 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 call for more teams in F1. I don't want like, and this is the this is the bullshit. Like like like, you no, know, like, oh, we need more. Like, we need bring back like Caterham and Lotus, and it's like these those teams added nothing to F1 essentially. At least Minardi added something. You know, like, I'm 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 happy we have ten solid teams. Than like, like six shitter teams like that just to make up extra numbers. It it really isn't, you know. So they're gonna get lapsed five or six million times. Yeah, like yeah. barely make the hundreds of seven percent uh, percent rules. So I'm glad we don't have this problem these days. With like, there's like, like, like we absolute don't need arse. any HWAs in Formula One. No, we don't. We absolutely <laughs> do not. So nice. I'm, I'm, you've never, and an opportunity's never wasted with you, is it, to throw HWA <laughs> under a bus? You know, if we get sponsored by HWA, <laughs> you're going to have, it's like half the pockets just have to be, like, will, delete, delete, the half, delete. The half the pockets will suddenly be missing, and I won't be able to tell you why. <laughs> uh, uh, you didn't ask me for a race rating out of 10. I didn't, did I? No, you did not. You're slacking. I'm not slacking. What is your rating race out of 10? I'll give it a six and a half. <laughs> yeah, I'll give it a six and a half as well. It was okay. It was it? fine. It I'm happy it with the results. Yeah, yeah. I think that was a happy podium. I, I think yeah. so. Yeah. I think so. Either, so. either way. <laughs> 
Uh, well, thank you very much, for, as always, for listening. Uh, and uh, I've been Graham. I've been Mr. Lucos. Uh, I've already said <gasps> my name, so no point. I've already said uh, the Switch drivers, and I can't be asked to open my phone for. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I wish to see you next time. Goodbye. <laughs>